Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. The truth is the most convincing story that maps onto reality, and that's why the central narrative is falling apart. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. You must see the central narrative for the fiction that it is. We are Americans. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Wednesday, November 9th, 2022, the 658th day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and hello to all of you listening to the podcast on the day of its release. The only way to do that is by becoming a paid subscriber at I'mYourModerator.Substack.com. You can do so for as little as $50 a year or $5 a month. You'll be supporting me, the work I do, and this show as it expands. And if you can't, or you simply don't want to, continue listening to the podcast on a wide range of podcast platforms, including and especially Rumble. All I ask is that you share it with your friends. So apologies for not putting out an episode yesterday. If you did not get that update on social media, on truth, on telegram, I hope you will forgive me, but I felt it was kind of silly to put an episode up in the middle of election day while everything is changing and people would hear it 
later that day or maybe today, maybe tomorrow, maybe the next day, and it would just be decontextualized. It would mean nothing after the fact. And I knew I was going to be live on the Badlands channel for a few hours yesterday in the afternoon, and so I prioritized that. But now it's the day after Election Day, so we can start talking about exactly what it is that happened. And so I might as well start out by taking you through a bit of my day and how I saw things. I was up early. I was at my polling place a couple minutes before 7 a.m. when the voting was supposed to start. And when I arrived, there were probably already 20 or 30 people in line, which I usually think is a nice sign. I enjoy that people are out there and ready to vote as soon as the polls open. A couple minutes after that, one of the poll workers came out and said that they are unable to begin having people vote yet due to a technical problem. She came out and remarked a few times that we are not allowed to have our cell phones out in the voting room. And everything was delayed about 20 or 30 minutes. Some more people began arriving. One of them looked like maybe a machine tech or something. I cannot be sure about that at all. I didn't get a chance to read his lanyard up close. But voting started. The process in my polling place is to show your ID. Once you're given the ID and your voter registration is checked in an electronic polling book, like an iPad, they will hand you a long slip of paper that you take to the voting machine and slide it inside the little slot. You do all your voting on the computer screen. It prints the result on the ballot. It prints a code that will be read by another machine. And then you walk your ballot over to the other machine. You slide your ballot into that machine and you take a little I voted sticker so that you can put your selfies on Instagram. Now, this is what is considered voting with a paper ballot in the modern day. The paper ballot, of course, is readable with the selections that you made. But the part that's read is the code that is printed. That part is unreadable with human eyes. So you just have to trust that your selections are somehow incorporated into that little code. And all of this is supposed to make you feel very safe and very secure you have created your vote on the machine. The machine understands what vote you have created, and the machine has apparently recorded that vote exactly. It does not apparently have the ability to count that you made that vote. That's what the other machine is for. But don't worry. All of it is very safe. None of it can be manipulated. None of it can be online. And the error that caused the delay was only a print server problem, according to the poll workers. And we can all rest assured that nothing could have gone wrong there while the print server problem was delaying the ability to vote, causing multiple people in that line to walk away. Now, I hope they went back and voted somewhere later in the day, but there's no way of knowing that. And what are they going to do? Just give people paper ballots that they can mark themselves and then count them by hand? No, that would never work. That is a crazy idea. The machines are there to make sure that everything is safe and to make sure that everything is efficient. 
It's just too many votes out there to count them by hand. That's why we need the machines. In fact, the machines are so fast and efficient that they can give election results sometime in the next few days or few weeks or maybe not for two years. And I've got to say, that was a bit of an ominous and frustrating part of the day. There should not be things going wrong when the election first opens. But I voted in a blue city in a red state, and it wasn't remotely shocking that it happened. So I leave the polling place and I call the county clerk's office and let them know about the problem. Turns out no one from the polling place had called the county clerk's office to let them know about the problem. But it's probably due to the fact that they were just so busy fixing the problem. You wouldn't want to burden the county clerk's office with something like a print server error. I mean, right? But hey, no one expected the elections to be clean. At least you shouldn't have. So what follows from that should also be expected. I headed over to the gym and as I was there, I began watching what was happening around the country and seeing reports from Arizona about how 25% of their machines didn't work and 25% of the ballots that were going into those machines were rejected and they had to put them in a little slot with a promise they would surely be counted later. A lot of people were standing in line for a really long time, unable to vote. If they had already checked in, then they would have to check out before going somewhere else and then hope to vote on a provisional ballot at that place with no guarantee that those provisional ballots would be counted because that's what happens with provisional ballots. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's something that's been true about provisional ballots for a very long time. In Lucerne County, Pennsylvania, they ran out of paper at something like 40 different precincts. And my goal, by the way, is not to go into the details of every single polling delay around the country, every single obvious election dysfunction around the country. There are plenty of places reporting on all of that. You can find all of that in my Telegram feed as much as I have posted. Gateway Pundit has reported on all sorts of instances of this. I was live with CanCon, Brian Lupo, yesterday, who writes... For the Gateway Pundit, he was saying that their tip line was overloaded. We had a replay of Sharpie Gate in multiple places. We have ballot drop problems. We have all of that. All of this stuff was to be expected. It's the same tactics, by and large, that we saw in 2020. And we can certainly hash all that out over the next few days, few weeks, however long it takes. If you have followed this podcast for a while, you'll know I've been talking about this stuff for two years. I've been talking about the election integrity measures that were passed in states around the country. Most of them were entirely irrelevant. We had a big deal about voter ID in Georgia. We were told that that would create voter suppression. It was all racist. It was going to diminish the black vote. And in the early voting period in Georgia, they had record turnout. The election integrity measures around the country were put in place to make it look like things were being done to secure elections so that people would have confidence in the next elections without those elections actually being secure. I said this 
the entire time. I said it when these measures were being proposed. I said it when they were being passed. It is certainly still true now. I'm sorry if you thought otherwise. I'm sorry if you had more faith in establishment Republicans around the country who were saying yes to these measures. I'm sorry if you thought that people like me were just bumming you out or we were being too cynical. But I have said many times we were not going to overwhelm the fraud. Nonetheless, it is good that we made their job much harder by going out and voting. It is still a worthwhile exercise to go out and do that if for nothing else than for the show of force. And if for nothing else than the fact that these elections might be audited and when they are audited, it will be good to know that real votes were also in there. There is nothing about yesterday that should indicate that this is a 50-50 country. It is not. We are a big majority and we came out and proved that big majority. It doesn't matter what the TV says. It doesn't matter what the election results say. Joe Biden did not receive 81 million real legal American votes in 2020. It is not possible. It is not only impossible because of the statistical impossibilities in the way the vote was recorded. It's not possible simply by thinking about it. It's not possible that there were 27 million new voters in 2020 over 2016. It's simply not possible that the electorate grew by 20% because of mail-in balloting and COVID, something that does not increase the electorate by 20%. If you know the election is fraudulent, if you know elections are stolen, then it doesn't make sense to analyze the reasons why the results were given to us. All of that analysis rests on the false assumption that the results we were given are somehow accurate. You can't simultaneously believe that the elections are stolen and that the results as told to us by the television are accurate. It doesn't make sense. So talking about whether or not race was an issue or gender was an issue or abortion was an issue or the economy was an issue, that doesn't matter, at least not in terms of trying to figure out why we got the results we got. We got the results we got because elections are stolen and fraud exists throughout the system. Elections are stolen from the local level all the way up to president, up and down the ballot. They get the results they want and they get those results to support the central narrative, just as the central narrative supports those results. They tell you to expect a variety of different outcomes, and then they give you the outcome they want. And you think, oh, yeah, well, that outcome makes a lot of sense based on this thing they said and this thing they said and this thing they said and this thing they said. But I'm not going to waste my time with that, and I'm not going to waste your time with that. And I don't think that you should waste your time with that either. You're welcome to go ahead and pursue whatever avenue you want. But the underlying reality is the same. They still maintain the ability to steal elections around the country, at least insofar as what the TV is going to tell us. I responded this morning to an account on Twitter that I generally enjoy following. It's nothing special, but I think the person makes some decent points every now and then. And he said something about how it was amazing that Pennsylvania voters were stupid enough to vote for John Fetterman. And I said, well, that's not the case. That election was stolen. 
And he goes, yeah, well, I know about election fraud, but there's still just so many dumb voters. You're giving these people too much credit. And so I said, well, how are there so many dumb voters in Pennsylvania? But right next door in Ohio, J.D. Vance crushes Democrat rising star Tim Ryan. Does that make sense? Are Ohio voters 10 percentage points smarter than Pennsylvania voters? That's just not true. And the idea that this is the fault of voters is also pretty absurd. Sure, there are some diehard communists out there that would vote for a dead person over a Republican. And it turns out that in Pennsylvania, a dead person actually won one of the races, which is perfect because finally there is a candidate for all of the dead voters who vote. Perhaps John Fetterman has coattails. John Fetterman, the candidate for people who would prefer a dead man over a Republican or any other living candidate. John Fetterman is the closest possible thing to that. Besides, of course, Joe Biden, who we're told Pennsylvania also voted for after, of course, Donald Trump was up seven or eight hundred thousand when they stopped counting votes and then lost in the morning. And I think that we should all remember that for a second. Let's go back and remember the night of November 3rd, 2020, and the morning of November 4th. On the night of November 3rd, in the middle of the evening, everything was looking real good. Trump was dominating in swing states. And then all of a sudden, the election simply stopped. And in the morning when everyone woke up, Donald Trump had lost. Remember how you felt that day. Nothing made sense at all. That's not the same place we're at right now. All of this makes complete and total sense, which is the funniest thing about a lot of the analysis I'm seeing on Twitter and elsewhere, especially from the GOP establishment media and their mouthpieces online. They're giving all their smartest hot takes, and I'll get to more of that in just a second. But the smartest take there is, is elections are stolen. Not only does it explain every single thing we're seeing, it is also fully backed up by every single bit of data. If you don't know that, it's because you haven't checked. If you do check, you will find overwhelming and obvious evidence of election fraud and lawlessness and unconstitutionality of how the elections are held. And the courts have ruled that they've ruled it in Pennsylvania, in Wisconsin, in Delaware. And yet we ignore it. There was a forensic audit in Maricopa County, Arizona, that showed evidence of hundreds of thousands of votes with no chain of custody and showed the mass deletion of election evidence in violation of federal law. We don't need to pretend about these things. We also don't need to pretend that we are all in the same place we were in 2020. We aren't. People are awake now. People are seeing What's happening? Remember how Arizona stepped up and demanded audits after the 2020 election? Are we supposed to assume that that sort of thing can't happen in Pennsylvania after these midterms or anywhere else around the country? Now, I'd like to see that. I don't know when it will happen, if it will happen or where it will happen. But I know that we are not the same country and we are not the same people as we were in November 2020. A whole lot of people in this country have realized that they're being lied to 
about pretty much everything. They know they were lied to about COVID and masks and lockdowns. They know, many of them, that they were lied to about the 2020 election. They know they were lied to about the very violent insurrection. They know they were lied to about the vaccines and even people who are entirely bought and paid for, like Ben Shapiro, have come around and admitted that. Now, I can't tell you what the people of all these states are prepared to accept, but I do know that it's our responsibility as people who are witnessing the truth to stand in that truth and stand up for that truth. So yesterday advanced almost exactly the same as Election Day in 2020. We went out and voted. We did our job. We saw the problems in the process. We went online. We saw problems occurring all around the country. Yesterday, the Internet was actually paying a good bit of attention to all of this. People were seeing election fraud happen with their own eyes in real time, and people were not ignoring it. People understand that there was a whole lot of dysfunction and manipulation and malfeasance happening in our elections. Stephen Richer and Bill Gates from the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors down in Arizona, they have to make a video explaining why the machine problems in Maricopa County were actually no problem at all. And trust us, we're going to count all of this stuff correctly. And as we move toward the evening, people begin to turn on the TV, the mainstream media to watch all the election coverage, everything they're going to come out and say, the way they're going to frame the issues. And we were blessed with this gem from CNN's Jake Tapper and John King. We're keeping an eye on that one. That's good. But you see, that's our first votes. And that's the wonder of democracy, whether you're a Democrat or Republican. And I wanted to point that out to be a little bit of the crank in the room following Brianna there. Stay off social media, people, if you're trying to figure out, if you're trying to figure out, are there really issues with voting? Trust your local officials. Trust us here. Trust a news source that you know and trust, to be honest about this. They're doing their jobs and they're doing it right. So what was Brianna just talking about? Uh, she was talking about Cobb County. Don't trust the people putting out evidence of election fraud. Don't trust the people analyzing that. Don't trust your own eyes and your own experience. Don't trust anything you've learned about election fraud in the last two years. Stay off social media because you don't want to see any of that disinformation out there. Pay attention to CNN. Pay attention to the news sources you know you can trust. I mean, when has CNN ever been wrong about anything? When has CNN ever been dishonest or acted in bad faith? Sure, they are sponsored by Pfizer. And sure, they are filled with former members of the military industrial complex, the intel community, the federal law enforcement community. But that's why you can trust them. They have access to all the experts. Whatever you do, trust them. They're going to be exactly right with the election results, just like they were exactly right with the COVID data. Remember when they had their little counter on the screen and it was counting up all the cases and counting up all the deaths. Ha, ah, those were the days. And yeah, sure, the tests didn't work and they were forcing healthy people to take tests on tests that didn't work. And they were forcing people to take tests over and over and over again on tests that didn't work. And they were creating policy 
the policies they wanted based on those case numbers, and they were marking down deaths based on those tests that don't work, and even based on doctors' diagnosis of likely COVID. But they weren't lying. They were dead on accurate with the numbers they got from someone else who was involved in exactly the same agenda that CNN is involved in. And of course, what we saw last night is no different. It's not true just because it's numbers and just because they say this is data. And when you know the numbers and the data are false and fudged as part of a much broader lie, then you don't just continue on as if it's all true. So we were given the story by the media that the Democrats had burst out to huge leads everywhere, but they were very careful to tell us almost all of this, 99%, sometimes 100%, is from the early voting. That's what's being counted now, except in Pennsylvania, where they can't count any of that until after the election. Remember Joe Biden just said that last week? Turned out that after the election meant immediately within five minutes of the election. So all the early voting was there. It's all for Democrats. And what did they say? Oh, well, you know, I'd much rather be ahead than behind right now. But you got to remember that the rest of the vote that's coming in is probably going to lean more Republican. And so we sit around and we watch and we wait for more polls to close, for more numbers to come in. And the Republicans start creeping their way back. It's like a great comeback in a sporting event, except it's not like that at all. Because it's not actually developing over time. The results, to whatever extent the results were real, were already in the system because people had already voted. It's not like sports where somebody shoots a basketball and then you find out a second later whether the basketball goes through the rim and through the net and therefore counts as points. That process was already completed by the voters and the machines and everything else earlier in the day. It's just a matter of when it gets reported. AOC's race was called in like two seconds and the voting, all of the vote counting for AOC's race was completed within one hour. But of course you can't expect that in Arizona and it's not a big deal. It's totally normal. In fact, that's why they told us in advance that we should expect it to take longer in Arizona for some reason. They told us yesterday that they expected Arizona could count somewhere around 99% of its vote by Friday. But Florida got theirs in. Texas got theirs in. California won't get theirs in for weeks. But that didn't stop them calling the race for Gavin Newsom with 0% in. So the TV shows us that Democrats have absolutely crushed it in the early vote, which is what we generally expect because Republicans vote on election day. And that was a specific strategy going into this race in particular as an attempt to thwart some of the methods used to steal elections. And then we begin to see the great Republican comeback. Will it be enough? Who's to say? And we wait and we wait. And then Florida is called. And Ron DeSantis is the new champion of the world. Not only has he won, which he obviously deserved to do, but he's won by so very much. Florida has changed and it's all due to Ron DeSantis's leadership. 
It's absolutely not due to anything else. And it proves that there is absolutely no election fraud in Florida, even though there is election fraud in Florida. And then we see Brian Kemp, the establishment Republican governor from Georgia, win with a substantial margin over Stacey Abrams. But apparently, Brian Kemp's voters just couldn't vote for Herschel Walker at the same number. And so now Herschel Walker might be in a runoff in Georgia against Raphael Warnock, just like we saw in January of 2021. And Greg Abbott defeated Beto O'Rourke in Texas. And as I mentioned, J.D. Vance had a fairly sizable victory over Tim Ryan in Ohio. And so what are we supposed to take from all this? Did Ron DeSantis's leadership in Florida win Brian Kemp and Greg Abbott and J.D. Vance their elections? J.D. Vance was a Trump supported candidate in Ohio against a Democrat who was supposed to be a rising star in the party. He ran for president in 2020. But who cares about those things? The important thing is that Ron DeSantis is the greatest thing that ever happened to anything, anywhere, at any time in all of history. And he came out and gave a very confident and energetic speech. Nice speech. Congratulations to Ron DeSantis. The crowd chanted two more years. You get it? Because Ron DeSantis would move on and become president. And that definitely wasn't staged. And then the results began to come in more slowly. Pennsylvania was a battleground. Michigan was a battleground. For a while, Tudor Dixon wasn't going to concede. And then she did. Oz in Pennsylvania wasn't going to concede. And then he did. And Katie Hobbs had this dominant lead over Carrie Lake because everybody knows that Katie Hobbs and Carrie Lake, that was going to be a razor thin margin, no matter what, even though. Carrie Lake was up by 11 points in multiple polls just last week. And what would happen in New York? Lee Zeldin seemed like he was making a big comeback over the last few weeks. But all of a sudden, oh, Kathy Hochul is just such a powerful candidate that New Yorkers really came out to reelect her. And Chuck Schumer won and AOC won and Letitia James won. And there was no fraud at all. New York has a perfect election. It's just a matter of what happens with Lee Zeldin and Kathy Hochul. So none of it made sense. If you take a big picture point of view on the whole thing and understand that elections can be stolen. And once you do that, it actually all does make sense. Establishment Republican candidates beat out truly ridiculous Democrat superstars like Stacey Abrams and like Beto O'Rourke, but other ridiculous Democrat candidates did just fine, like John Fetterman. And of course, Doug Mastriano got dominated because nobody wants to elect a MAGA candidate. And Lauren Boebert, she may well lose her seat in Colorado for the same reason. The MAGA candidates are just too crazy. I mean, except for the ones who won. But whatever, who cares about that? We have enough MAGA candidates losing that we can say that Trump was the big problem. So think about what we began to see as the evening went on. All of a sudden, the conservative establishment influencers on Twitter 
and the establishment media, people like Ben Shapiro, like Mike Cernovich, everybody at the National Review, everybody pretty much on Fox News, every very serious conservative intellectual, every member of Conservative Incorporated, every member of the GOP elite establishment. That's GOP with the little E. That's what that means, by the way. And all of the Ron DeSantis simpletons who think that they have found the world's savior and can't wait to sleep with him. I mean, vote for him for president. All declared that there was no red wave. There was no red wave. And whose fault was it? Well, it was Donald Trump's fault, of course. It wasn't the fault of the Republican establishment who denied any problems with the 2020 election for the last two years. It wasn't Mitch McConnell's fault for pulling money away from actual Republican candidates who could have won like Don Bolduc in New Hampshire. And hey, maybe Don Bolduc's not full MAGA. That's fine. I understand that that's potentially true. But that was a highly winnable seat and any responsible Republican leader in control of financing campaigns should have put money there and should have put money behind Kelly Shabaka in Alaska. But they can't do that because the establishment candidate Lisa Murkowski needed their help. They didn't put money behind Doug Mastriano in a winnable Pennsylvania governor's race. They didn't put money behind Blake Masters in a still winnable Arizona Senate race. And it becomes pretty easy to see that the GOP establishment elites did not actually want to win elections last night. They wanted to get the outcomes they wanted, just like the Democrat Party elites, because Republican and Democrat elites are the same thing. They just have different letters next to their name. And that, as we can all see, is absolutely meaningless. It's meaningless because Republican versus Democrat is no longer the paradigm. The paradigm is global communists versus sovereign nationalists. And the establishments of both parties are committed to the global communist agenda. They have participated in it. They have benefited from it. They continue to benefit from it. They are corrupt and they are compromised. Many of them don't have another option as they see it beyond continuing to support it because their lives will be destroyed. And that's kind of the consequence for living a life of corruption and compromise. They weren't just going to stop. They weren't just going to roll over and give us the wins. So they did what they always do. They manipulated the system to their benefit and they served their masters. They did not want to win, but we can't blame it on them. And we can't blame it on election fraud because doing either one of those things further exposes the system. The system is what must be protected. And I've been saying it for a very, very long time. In fact, I said it over a year ago in the lead up to Glenn Youngkin's election in Virginia. I said that what we would most likely see was a small win for Glenn Youngkin so they could appease all of the people who were upset about the woke agenda in Virginia, even the Daily Wire and the rest of the conservative cucks across the board could take credit for standing up to absolutely preposterous levels of wokeism as even the most baseline normal person would do. 
and not only take credit for the win, but use that win as proof that elections aren't stolen. You see that everybody, a Republican just won in Virginia, even after Virginia voted a year ago for Joe Biden. Believe everything about this, especially the 5149 outcome that could never be the result of machine manipulation. And on that very same night, we saw the same effect in New Jersey, except we didn't get the same outcome. They protected the establishment Democrat Phil Murphy against a Republican candidate virtually no one talked about, and they had to take multiple days after the fact to secure that win for Murphy, who was supposedly one of the most powerful Democrats in the country. I didn't predict that outcome because I'm a magician or because I'm a conspiracy theorist. I predicted it because I tried to understand what the motivations of the people in power were and tried to gauge that against how much power the people in power had to influence the outcome. It turns out they had full power to influence the outcome, just as they retained in most places last night. And so they got the outcomes they desired. Similarly, for the past few weeks, and even just within the past week, I have talked about how they would try to give some sort of small Republican win to recognize the obvious public narrative and sentiment that people cannot stand the illegitimate Biden regime. They cannot stand the wokeness, the gas prices, the illegal immigration, the crime, the COVID regime with all the mandates, the lies of the media. You can go on and on and on and on, but they can't just simply avoid all that. They have to incorporate all of that into the plan and achieve the best possible outcome in terms of their agenda and what they wanted. The best possible outcome was a small victory that would not really change the balance of power in the most important ways, while also preserving the election fraud apparatus so they can continue to select the winners in American elections, maintaining full control over how things run in the American government. And at some point last night, it was basically decided, hey, it's go time. And all of Con Inc. immediately began to propagate the narrative that there was no red wave. Whatever everybody expected in terms of success of tonight, well, it's not happening for Republicans. This has actually turned out to be a great night for the Democrats. This is not what we expected at all. We thought there was going to be a lot more Republican momentum, but it turns out that voters just didn't go that way. Sure. Exit polls said that 66% of the country did not want to see Joe Biden run again in 2024, and 75% of voters said they thought the country was on the wrong track, but they just went out there and chose the same thing anyway. Con Inc. actually stooped so low as to call the voters stupid and blame it on the voters. You can't blame it on the establishment, and you can't blame it on the election fraud, but you sure can blame it on the voters. You can blame it on the Trump supporters. You can blame it on the Trump candidates and you can blame it on Donald Trump. And that's exactly what we saw. We have seen mainstream outlets like Fox News and the New York Post come out and anoint Ron DeSantis as the candidate to beat in 2024, 
even though no polling anywhere suggests that's true. And essentially everyone in the Republican establishment and all of the people who could be called conservative media or conservative influencers fell in line immediately. They all got on the same page at the same time and began sending out the most brutal posts they possibly could. This is all Donald Trump's fault. It's finally time to move on from Donald Trump. The failures of Donald Trump have finally been exposed. The best thing for the country is for Donald Trump to immediately step aside and everybody just get behind Ron DeSantis. And things immediately begin to make sense, particularly a bunch of the things I talked about on Monday. It makes sense that Donald Trump made his little quip about Ron DeSanctimonious over the weekend. The reaction to that quip made sense. All of the talk about Trump announcing his 2024 run the night before the election made sense. These are media narratives that have played out over and over and over again. They attack Trump and his supporters at every possible turn, and they do it as hard as they can because they want to inflict emotional damage on his supporters. They want to isolate them and bully them and shame them because that's how you get them to go away. And if Trump supporters turn on Trump, well, then Trump goes away. And if Trump goes away, well, then the uniparty can just continue to do whatever it wants forever, including and especially stealing American elections. I have said it over and over and over again. This is a hate movement. They hate Donald Trump because of what he represents and what he does and how he is a threat to their power. And they hate all of his supporters because they won't fall in line behind the power that they imagine they have. Everyone is simply supposed to obey. And it is crucial to notice who these people are. I have talked about them constantly throughout the last two years, even as my friends and people I respect, people who are almost 100% on board with most everything I say, tell me that I shouldn't be hard on these people because they're on our side. They are helping us somehow. They are bringing people in our direction, but just more slowly than someone like me might choose to do. And as I've always said, I hope that's true, but I don't think it is. I'm glad that they wake people up a little bit to whatever extent they do. But ultimately, these people are gatekeepers of information. They tell people only those things that will get people to the point they want those people to be at so that they can be fully taken advantage of so that they always remain under the thumb of the people in power which is why I have always responded the same way. These people are not our friends. These people are not on our side. I do not owe them my respect. I do not believe that what they are doing is good. I do not believe that this is how to wake people up. I have heard the point made countless times that we need to bring these people along slowly. You can't tell them too many things. Well, what could possibly be more patronizing and damaging than that? And let's take it out of the sphere of politics for a minute. Let's say that your husband or wife or girlfriend or boyfriend was cheating on you, or maybe a business relationship or a business partner 
was lying to you and about to betray you, or maybe already had something that was going to truly affect you, truly damage your life. How would you want to be told? Would you want to be brought along slowly until you finally realize it for yourself? With that point always being after it was too late to mitigate the massive damage that was coming your way. If your friend failed to tell you the truth about any of those situations until it was too late for you to avoid having your life destroyed by the underlying truth, would you think that person is your friend? Of course not. I tell people the truth as soon as I can see it. In fact, I tell people what I think is true about events that haven't occurred yet. And I'm happy to be wrong about those things because I want people to look at the evidence, to consider a wide range of possibilities and decide for themselves. It's actually not my job to tell you what to think. It's not my job to tell you, oh, well, you know, we can't believe that quite yet. We better be responsible here. And it's certainly not my job to decide for you what you're prepared to hear. And hey, if you don't like my style or my approach or the reasons why I do it, I accept that. That's a-okay. We're all different people. But if you think it's your job to decide for other people what they're prepared to know, we're not on the same path. I don't knock these people and cast doubt on these people because I want their jobs. I want to be more powerful than them. I do it because I think that they are liars and frauds and that they are leading their listeners and the country to ruin. I wouldn't take Ben Shapiro's job for Ben Shapiro's salary at the Daily Wire so that I can repeat the same slogans that everyone else at the Daily Wire continues to repeat. When John told me he was starting up Badlands Media, one of the first things I said was, I'm not going to align with any group of people who decides there are things I'm not allowed to say. And he said, yeah, of course not. And the common response from people is that maybe these guys just believe all these things. Maybe that's why they're saying what they're saying. And to that, I would say, okay, if that's true, then at what point should they be held accountable for the things they say? by you no longer listening to them. I mean, they're wrong about everything. And it's not just by chance. Yeah, sure. They're right about all the easiest things, like the ridiculous trans agenda and BLM. But that's about where it stops. Are they right about markets and capitalism? Sure, they can tell you the history. They can point out when there are massive breaches to those ideals. And they're more than happy to do it when there are really terrible policies being raised by Democrats. But they're still working at the service of their funders and donors and corporate masters. And so it's not a mistake that they all align about the same things, which, by the way, happen to be some of the most important things, if not the most important things in our society. It's not a coincidence that they were all just wrong about COVID and lockdowns and masks and vaccines and the 2020 election and the insurrection. It's not a mistake that they didn't talk about election fraud the last two years. They didn't even check. They didn't talk about any of the stories of election fraud. They treated the Maricopa audit like some joke. 
They've been more or less never Trump ever since Trump came down the escalator. They didn't even give him a chance to see what he was about or what he would say. They supported Ted Cruz and any other establishment candidate. They talked about how MAGA supporters were trying to kill Mike Pence. They're aligned against the people on virtually everything that matters. And they're all consistent about doing it. And they all make the same exact points. And that's exactly what they did last night and into this morning. They made the same exact arguments for the same exact reasons. They attacked the same exact people. The analysis is so thin that they will not go any deeper into their opinions. It's just Trump's fault. I'm sure Ben Shapiro is having a huge episode today about Trump versus Ron DeSantis and about how the MAGA movement is totally over now. And we all need to get behind Ron DeSantis. That's what we all need to do. And if we won't do it, well, then we're just we're just not serious about winning in 2024. Well, hey, Cox. You weren't serious about winning in 2020. You didn't support Donald Trump before the election, and you didn't call out election fraud after the election. And you weren't serious about winning in 2022. As soon as the signal was given last night, they immediately all came out and said, there's no red wave. There's nothing to see here. The whole thing's over, except it's not over. Donald Trump's record of endorsements last night, as it stands now, was 219 wins and 16 losses. Donald Trump is the problem? The Republicans are going to take back the House. It's a matter of how big the margin is. It looks like they are probably going to take back the Senate. That remains to be seen. But in a normal election cycle, take away the narrative, and last night would be a pretty successful night for Republicans. Why isn't it being described that way? Why is the major takeaway from Conservative Incorporated that the red wave failed to materialize and it's all Donald Trump's fault? That's insane. And an interesting addition to that point that Donald Trump just made about an hour ago on Truth Social, he said, now that the election in Florida is over and everything went quite well, shouldn't it be said that in 2020, I got 1.1 million more votes in Florida than Ron DeSantis got this year. 5.7 million to 4.6 million. Just asking. So how bad did Republicans do and how bad did Donald Trump do? Neither of them did bad enough to warrant the reaction from Conservative Incorporated last night and this morning. So what explains it? Well, it's pretty simple. They're all funded by the same people. Their power is derived from the same sources. It's not good enough anymore to just say, oh, well, maybe they're just interpreting things a different way than you are. Well, yeah, that's how they make it seem. The reason they make it seem that way is because they're incentivized to make it seem that way. It's literally their job to do that. Doesn't matter whether or not they think they're telling the truth. They haven't checked just like masks just like lockdowns, just like vaccines, just like the 2020 election, and just like everything else they talk about and they try to pin on Trump and Trump supporters. Not one of those people can tell you a damn thing about Q, but they all know that QAnon is a dangerous conspiracy theory. How is it that all these very brilliant thinkers who are acting in good faith 
consistently come to the wrong conclusions about everything. How does that happen? And the answer is they're incentivized to reach these conclusions and spread them out to people. It's amazing that people think that QAnon is a psyop, but that the mainstream media isn't. The mainstream media is the most obvious psyop there is. And if you don't understand that, have a listen to this. You briefed the press, did you not, when you were there? Well, I had several jobs. One of my jobs was that of analyst. Uh, I also was an interrogator and indeed briefed the press when we, the CIA, wanted to uh, circulate disinformation on a particular issue. Disinformation is not necessarily, uh, not necessarily a lie. It may be a half-truth. And uh, we would pick out a journalist. I would go do the briefing and uh, hope that he would put the information in print. For instance, if we wanted to get uh, across to the American public that the North Vietnamese were building up their force structure in South Vietnam, I would go to a journalist and advise him that in the past uh, six months, X number of North Vietnamese forces had come down the Ho Chi Minh Trail system through southern Laos. Now, there is no way a journalist can check that information. So either he goes with the information or he doesn't, and ordinarily or usually, the journalist would go with it because it, was, it looked like some kind of exclusive. And um, I would say our percentage of planning that kind of data was uh, 70 to 80 percent. The correspondents we targeted were those who had terrific influence, the most uh, respected journalists in Saigon, like Robert Chaplin of the New Yorker magazine, Kai's Beach uh, of the Los Angeles Times from time to time, and also he worked for the Chicago Daily News. Uh, Bud Merrick of U.S. News and World Report, uh, Malcolm Brown of the New York Times, and even Maynard Parker of Newsweek magazine. Uh, we would uh, go after these gentlemen. Uh, I would uh, be directed to cultivate them, to spend time with them at uh, the Caravelle Hotel or the Continental Hotel, to socialize with them, and, and slowly but surely to try to gain their confidence by dolloping out uh, valid information, information which was true. And then I would drop in a, into a conversation the data that we wanted to get across, which might not be true. Uh, one piece of data, for instance, uh, that uh, we managed to plan in the New Yorker magazine had to do with uh, a supposed North Vietnamese effort in 1973 to develop airfields along the border of South Vietnam. The reason we wanted to plant this information was that we were trying to persuade the U.S. Congress that Saigon should be continued to, should continue to get a great deal of aid uh, and that uh, the North Vietnamese were the chief violators of the ceasefire accord. That was printed in uh, the New Yorker magazine under the byline of Robert Chaplin, as indeed was a great deal of such information which... Uh, which we tried to circulate. If I planted a piece of information with a reporter, I would ordinarily then try to create an environment in which he could not check the information. I would go to the British ambassador and brief him on the disinformation I had just given the reporter. So when the reporter wanted to cross-check what I told him with, uh, say, the British ambassador, New Zealand ambassador, or what have you, he would get false confirmation, the same message coming back at him. He'd say, aha, 
I've got proof that Frank Snap told me the truth, when in fact what he'd gotten was simply an echo of what uh, I'd given him in the first place via the British ambassador or other of our friendly diplomatic contacts. I am, as an ex-CI agent, uh, opposed to the disinformation activities uh, in which I was involved. I admit that I was involved, and I think it uh, uh, served no useful purpose. Uh, propagandizing the American uh, public or Congress is not the CIA's job. That's from 1983. Are we to imagine that that just went away one day? Of course not. It's actually much, much worse now. And it's in your face. As I mentioned before, mainstream media outlets are filled with former members of the intelligence community, the military industrial complex, federal law enforcement, the party apparatus, and virtually everyone else on their airwaves benefits from repeating those narratives. Are we supposed to pretend that that same thing can't infect the Daily Wire or Mike Cernovich's huge gorilla brain? Are we supposed to imagine that the ultimate target of that manipulation wouldn't be Donald Trump and his supporters? Every institution of power in the entire world has spent seven and a half years trying to destroy Donald Trump and his supporters. And they're not doing it with facts. They're not doing it with things they can prove. At this point, their arguments aren't even good or convincing, which is why they routinely fail. And they're failing already. They just gave it their best shot last night and this morning to kill the MAGA movement once and for all. This is what they think the ultimate death blow to MAGA is. Ron DeSantis won. The red wave never happened. And it's all Donald Trump's fault and the fault of his supporters. Now you all have to go away and just give us back our game. Give us back our power. It's our power. You guys can't take it. You're not the important people. We're the important people. You have to listen to us. In fact, you have to think whatever we tell you to think, and you have to accept whatever we tell you to accept. It's all your fault, but it's not your fault. And the whole thing is a lie. All of their analysis is a lie. It's based on underlying falsehoods, like, for instance, that yesterday's election was totally clean and legitimate. When we know it wasn't, the proof was everywhere. You literally watched it happen in real time. And what these people are trying to do is demoralize you. So you will stop fighting. You will give up on Trump. You will say, oh, well, you know, Ron DeSantis is the next best thing. And it's a lot easier this way. So let's just go ahead and do that. I've really been wanting to unify with all of those people who have called me a racist and a moron and a conspiracy theorist. They've called me evil. They've called me a traitor to the country. But what I need to do is unify with them, even if they're family members and friends and co-workers who would completely betray me in one second and have proven it time and time again. I need to unify with them because then all the pain is just going to stop. It's all going to go away and life is just going to go back to normal. Well, no, no, it's not because that would mean you're living in their new normal where elections are stolen every single time. And your job is being happy 
whenever they steal an election for your favorite team. But it's not going to work. And it's already not working. These people are getting blown up in their own comment threads on Twitter. A writer who I generally really enjoy, Kurt Schlichter. But he was one of those guys that got all upset about Trump making a little tiny quip about Ron DeSanctimonious the other day. And these people are just outing themselves. Anyway, he puts up a poll. He says, who do you blame for last night? And again, that already accepts the notion that someone must be blamed for this big disaster. That simply wasn't a disaster. But he put up four options. The candidates, the voters, the GOPE, which again is the Republican Party establishment or elite. It's used interchangeably. And Donald Trump. He didn't make election fraud an option at all. So before you even start the poll, he already accepts the narrative that last night was a disaster and that election fraud wasn't the cause of the disaster. So the candidates got around 10% of the blame. The voters got around 23, 24% of the blame. Donald Trump was just over 20%. The number one answer from Kurt Schlichter's own followers and anyone else on Twitter who saw it was the GOP establishment and elite. It was like 41 plus percent of the total. And he eventually just stopped the poll. Now you can imagine that's not the answer he was expecting. He is one of the people who's been selling the narrative that this is all Donald Trump's fault. Oh, and the voters are stupid and Donald Trump's candidates, they're stupid as well. Well, only about 20% of the respondents thought it was Donald Trump's fault. 40 plus percent said the GOP establishment elite and election fraud was not an option, but it was even worse in the comments. If you go through the comments, people were saying it was election fraud. It was election fraud. Why wasn't election fraud the option? You see, the people are actually awake. Conservative Incorporated exists to create the idea that everything the establishment wants, everything the uniparty wants, that's how the world actually is. But the world's not that way. And it doesn't matter how many times they tell you it is. They've done this over and over and over and over again for seven and a half years. And I know it sucks because it feels like a massive insult. And it feels like everybody is going to believe that you're the problem and you're wrong and you're crazy. But people are more awake than that. And they're not accepting these answers. There is still plenty of game to be played. If you thought everything was going to get turned around and fixed with an election that you know is still subject to massive fraud, then you deceived yourself. And I'm not sure what else to say about that. We've talked about all this on the show. I said specifically, this is what I think is going to happen. And it turns out that what I said was going to happen is exactly what happened. And now we're being subjected to the narrative that follows the outcome they desired. The narrative was prepped in advance for you to expect a certain outcome, then not get that outcome, which leaves you in a state of confusion and emotional vulnerability. And at that point, you will be attacked with the false narrative saying that it's you and the things you believe and the candidates you support that are the real problem in this country. But these people don't care about the country. 
They're anti-American, which is why they keep supporting narratives and agendas that are destroying this country and its people. And they don't care about the people of the country. You would think they would because they need and want listeners and listeners want to feel like they're on the same page with somebody and that that person cares about them at least enough to be honest to them. The very least you can do to show a person that you care is to be honest and consistent and tell the truth and admit fault when things go wrong, but they don't do that. Ben Shapiro said that the reason he recommended everybody take the vaccine was because he trusted the experts and they lied and whoops. And then he just kept right on saying, but the vaccine is still probably good for old people or somebody. It must be good for somebody. That's what the data says from the same people that lied to me. These people have been wrong about everything. Ben Shapiro and Mike Cernovich used to take selfies and masks and tell people to mask up. Fox and National Review and Daily Wire. They went along with everything COVID. National Review published a magazine devoted to how awful Trump is. They may have coined the term never Trump. Fox News helped create the narrative of the 2020 steal. And if what I'm saying doesn't make sense to you, if you think it's all a conspiracy theory, that's just fine with me. But otherwise, you need to take a look at what else you're listening to, what else you're reading, who else you're trusting, and really consider whether or not that person has the best interest of the country and the best interest of his or her listeners in mind. Because I've been saying all of this for two years. I have said these people are driving the country to ruin. That is why I don't trust them. That is why I don't listen to them. That is why I make fun of them. They can pretend to be on your side all day and night, but the truth is they're not on your side. They're on their side, and ultimately they're on the side of the globalists. When it comes to the most important issues in the world, there is almost no difference between their narrative and the narratives of the global governing bodies and big pharma and the political parties and the World Economic Forum. They're just marketing it all to a different audience. It should be clear now that it is coordinated. It is for bad reasons and their ultimate target is you. You have to stop believing them. What happened yesterday is going to wake up millions and millions of Americans. And the impact of that is going to last forever. The narrative that they have tried to use last night and today will be gone by this weekend. It'll be gone faster than the Paul Pelosi story vanished. And wouldn't you know it? All of these people were sharing their thoughts and prayers for Paul Pelosi and telling all of you to be responsible and wait till the facts come in. I have said time and time again that this is not over and that there are more betrayals to come. Well, you just learned about a whole bunch of new betrayals that you didn't see before. And I know it hurts because you want to trust these people. You do trust these people. You've developed a relationship with these people. You've invested a lot of your time and maybe a lot of your money, 
But just because you're pot committed to these people does not mean that you should be throwing good money after bad. These people have betrayed you and they will not be the last ones. This is why we do not search out authoritative sources. I am telling you, don't listen to me. If you think what I'm saying is wrong, go check it out for yourself and form your own opinions. Those guys don't become more right because they have big platforms and shiny television sets where they do their shows. The money that pays for all of that comes from the top down. They are only accountable to power. So I'm sorry that the results of last night were not the best case scenario for everybody. But the truth is the best case scenario is whatever pushes the awakening faster. And sometimes it takes more pain and more frustration on our end for that to happen. So find your center, whatever that is, your family, God, further research and study. A lot of the time when something is really upsetting, when you're worried about the future, if you invest more time into finding out exactly what's going on, you will be more likely to find a path through that and put things in better perspective and figure out how to move forward. And if that's too much, then take a break for a couple of days, because I imagine that by this weekend, that whole narrative is going to blow up in their faces. These people aren't somehow different than the mainstream media just because they pretend often to be on our side. They are exactly the same thing. They are addicted to the central narrative and they propagate the central narrative. It's not more honest and more real just because it's marketed to you. So keep the faith, hold the line, and let's see what happens. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masked and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic. And Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. If you're listening to this episode for free, you can support me and support the show and the work I do by signing up for a paid subscription at imyourmoderator.substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month. Comes out to under a quarter per episode and you'll blast right through the paywall for all of the writing. The merch store is www.cancelcouture.com and you can find everything else by heading to Linktree. Linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. And I'll see you soon out on the range. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. 
If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'mYourModerator.Substack.com. The merch site is CancelCouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!